Lord God, we love to sing your praises. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You are magnificent in holiness. You are glorious in power. You are the creator God, the maker of heaven and earth. You are our father in heaven. You have created each one of us in your image. And Lord, we glorify and worship you. You have given us salvation in the person of Christ who came to earth to die on the cross for our sins, but who did not remain in the grave. He defeated sin. He defeated death by rising to new life so that all who trust in him might have eternal, everlasting life. Lord, we are believers in the name of Christ. We are recipients of the grace that Jesus won for us. And so we rejoice and we praise you today for you are glorious. You are wonderful. You are magnificent. You are steadfast in love and your mercy never ceases. Thank you, Lord, for all your goodness to us. We pray now, Lord God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, that we might understand your word and apply it to your lives so that we might be lifted to praise you, but also that we might be transformed so that we are more Christ-like today by the power of your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to Joyston for leading us in worship. Thank you to Dio for leading us in prayer. We're going to come now and read from the book of Lamentations, the second half of Lamentations chapter 3. We've been reading this Old Testament book together since the beginning of the year as a church. And the truth is this book has some challenging themes in it. We've been challenged to express grief to God, to lament in an authentic way, not, not just to come to God and pray meaningless prayers or read words of uh, the prayers that we're praying, but to really tell God how we're feeling, even if that is when we're feeling grief, when we're feeling like we need to lament. We've seen time and time again in the book of Lamentations the theme of God's anger against wrongdoing and we've reflected on the fact that a good God will hate and will be angry at evil in the world and so we've seen the justice of God and the anger of God against the sin of humanity but last week we read the first half of chapter three and we saw the themes of mercy and love for the first time really in the book, in this long lament, in this expression focused on the anger of God, suddenly God's steadfast love and God's mercy broke into the author's life and transformed his outlook. He went from having no hope to being full of hope. He, he went from this place of grief and darkness to this place of worship and thanksgiving for who God is and how much he loves. And so we saw how God's mercy and God's love can transform our lives. We focused on this amazing truth that in Christ, in Jesus, Christians find forgiveness, mercy and everlasting love. We're not ashamed of that message. We're not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of salvation to all who believe. And for that reason, as a church, we seek to proclaim this message. We seek to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We, we want to persuade you, if you're not a Christian, that Jesus died on the cross to save you, that there's joy and love and mercy and glory to be found in believing in Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of those things. Today, 
we're reading the second half of Lamentations chapter 3, verses 34 to 66. And we're going to see similar themes come up. We're going to see God's anger expressed. We're going to see the writer's grief expressed in this chapter. But what I really want to focus on in these verses is the theme of a call to return to the Lord. In Lamentations chapter 3, the writer calls his readers and calls us to return to the Lord with all our hearts. And so as I read this chapter to you, let's think about that. As the writer says, return to the Lord, examine yourself and return to the Lord. Let's read together Lamentations 3 verses 34 to 66. To crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth, to deny a man justice in the presence of the Most High, to subvert a man in his lawsuit, the Lord does not approve. Who has spoken and it came to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven. You have wrapped yourself with anger and pursued us, killing without pity. You have wrapped yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us scum and garbage among the peoples. All our enemies open their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have come upon us. Devastation and destruction. My eyes flow with rivers of tears because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes flow without ceasing, without respite, until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes cause me grief at the fate of all the daughters of my city. I have been hunted like a bird by those who were my enemies without cause. They flung me alive into the pit and cast stones on me. Water closed over my head. I said, I am lost. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. You have seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. You judge my cause. You have seen all their vengeance, all their plots against me. You have heard their taunts, O Lord all their plots against me. The lips and thoughts of my assailants are against me all the day long. Behold, they're sitting and they're rising. I am the object of their taunts. You will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You will give them dullness of heart. Your curse will be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under your heavens, O Lord. In verse 40, the verse that I want to particularly focus on today, the writer says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us return 
to the Lord. His call, his message was to the Israelites, to the city of Jerusalem. But his instruction rings out through the ages. The bell has tolled to every generation. This message must be heard. It it needed to be heard then, thousands of years ago when it was written, but it needs to be heard today as well. It's more important than anything you'll watch on the news or anything you'll read online. A message, an instruction of vital, crucial importance. Test your ways, examine your ways, and return to the Lord. Return to God. Some of you won't hear or comprehend the urgency or the importance of this message. If you look at verse 65, in Lamentations chapter 3, it says of the Babylonians that God will give them a dullness of heart. Part of their punishment for the sin that they have committed is a dullness of heart. Instead of burning with thirst for knowledge of God, instead of desperately seeking spiritual things, the Babylonians would be uninterested complacent, not aware of the spiritual reality of our world. They would be dull of heart, even dead, in a sense, in their heart. This is what happens as a consequence of rebellion against God. This is what happens because of sin. Your heart becomes dull to the things of God and the spiritual reality of the world in which you live. And so there are many people probably people watching this video who are living right now with a dullness of heart. If that's you, I'd urge you to carry on listening. Set aside some time now to allow God to speak into your heart, to awaken your heart to the reality of his existence. That's my prayer, actually, that as I speak, His Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, would do an amazing work in your heart. His work, the Holy Spirit's work, is way more important, actually, than the words that I'll be saying. I mean, I hope I will proclaim and preach truth, but really it's the inner work of the Holy Spirit in the heart that's going to transform your life. And that's my hope and prayer, that if you're a non-Christian, you've never known God, that the Holy Spirit would awaken you to the reality of God's existence. And if you're a Christian and you're feeling dulled, you're feeling you're feeling down, you're feeling like God is distant from you, I pray the Holy Spirit would refuel you, would refire your heart with this burning desire to know and understand God. As we consider this question, how should we return to the Lord? What does it mean to return to the Lord and how should we do it? My first point this morning is this, return to the Lord with examination. Verse 40, let us test and examine our ways. In other words, let us consider the way we have been living. We very rarely examine ourselves we're not huge fans of exams, are we? Every so often you'll, you'll find um, someone who does enjoy exams, who's quite nerdy and, and likes, likes a test. But most people hate exams. They don't want to participate in exams. And we very rarely examine ourselves. We don't mind examining other people. We, we, in fact, we do that quite a lot. We like to say, oh, well, they acted like this. 
This person's always rude or selfish or proud. He or she has done this thing wrong. So we like examining others, and we particularly like examining the ways other people hurt us. Oh, he or she has done this, and it, it, he wronged me, she wronged me, she did something to me that was totally unfair. We're good at examining other people. We're often not very good at examining ourselves. But Lamentations 3 calls us to examine ourselves. Let us test and examine our ways. And so let's do that just for a moment. Let's, let's cross-examine ourselves and our own lives, the ways we have been living. Firstly, how have we treated others this week, this month, so far in 2021? Have you treated the people you've been living with in your household, who you see um, a lot of at the moment? Have we done anything to care for people outside of our household? Have you prayed? Have you encouraged? Have you asked someone how they're doing? Have you given to charities or given financially to help those in need? during this week, during this month that we're living in, during this season of time? Or negatively, have you act, acted negatively towards others? Have you gossiped? Have you slandered? Have you criticised? Have you ignored others? Have you cursed under your breath or just found other people annoying like, a, like an extra burden in your life? How are you treating others? How have you treated others this week, this month, this year? Examine your relationship with other people. Are you a loved person or are you a taking, hateful person? More importantly, examine your relationship with God. Have you given him attention? Have you given him attention every day of 2021? Have you worshipped him? Have you sung and spoken of his greatness? Have you prayed? Have you asked for his guidance? Or have you just done whatever you feel like doing? Or have you said, God, you're the creator. You know what's best for me. Show me the ways that I should go. What have you done to serve God so far this year? And perhaps more importantly, you know, we assess our relationship with God based on things we have done. But perhaps more importantly, have you considered God's goodness and his love and his awesomeness towards you? Have you, have you meditated on just how good and great and amazing God is? It's not just enough to serve God with a cold heart and to do the things that he says to do. It's far more important that we understand just how loving he is and how caring he is, how awesome he is. Our relationship with God is determined first and foremost in that God has loved us. And so if we haven't considered that this year or this week, then, then is our relationship with God in the place it really needs to be? Returning to the Lord begins with examination. We think about how we're living. We think about the things we're doing wrong. We think about the ways we're failing to do what is right. We're thinking, we think about the ways our relationship with God has in some ways been frozen or is not quite functioning as it should. And we think about the way we treat others poorly as well. Returning to the Lord begins with examination. And that examination turns into confession. And so that's my second point this morning. Return to the Lord with confession. Verse 40 is about examining yourself. 
verse 42 is about confession. The writer says, we have transgressed and rebelled and you have not forgiven. To transgress is to break the law. And so the writer is saying, we've broken God's holy commands. We've broken God's law. And to, to rebel, you know what, to, re- is to, to raise a rebellion would be to, to go up against the, the government in this country, to go against the people who have been given authority in the United Kingdom. And so we rebel by rebelling against God, the one who has all authority and all power. We have transgressed and rebellion, rebelled. He's confessing sin. In fact, quite a large part of chapter 3 is given over to the writer of Lamentations confessing the sin of Jerusalem. He's saying, Lord, you're angry against us and, and disaster has come upon us and we're deserving of that disaster for we have sinned. Look at verses 34 to 36 where the writer of Lamentations confesses sin. In fact, let me read it to you. To crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth, to deny a man justice in the presence of the Most High, to subvert a man in his lawsuit, the Lord does not approve. Those verses are a confession of sin. The writer is confessing the way the city of Jerusalem has sinned. And the way that Jerusalem has sinned is that she has denied justice in the city. Social justice has not been done in the city of Jerusalem amongst God's people. And that's the reason why punishment has come upon this city. Her sin, the city's sin, was to deny justice. 2020 was a year when social justice became a big issue. Well, actually, let me put it differently. It's always been a big, important issue. But the issue was highlighted prominently in 2020 because of the George Floyd murder that was caught on camera, revealing the systemic racism in the, in the United States and, and caused the world to reflect on racism around the world, in this country as well. That that murder of George Floyd was not justice. It was the opposite of justice. It, it was something that the Lord would definitely not approve of. That's what it says at the end of verse 6, isn't it? The Lord does not approve. And unfortunately, it wasn't an isolated case. It was one of many cases where justice was not done, where people were treated differently because of the colour of their skin. I wonder whether you acted on that news. Did you find a way to educate yourself on the issues? Did you find a way to really give support to true racial and social justice in the world and in this country, in the United Kingdom? Or had you forgotten about that incident last year? Did you post something on social media and then completely forget about it? Now, posting on social media does does something and it raises the issue amongst your friends and your colleagues and the people you're connected with. But that's hardly an appropriate response to something so unjust happening in this world. I wonder whether you acted. More importantly, I want to ask you this. Did you approach that issue as a problem that some other people had? Or did you confess your own prejudices? You know, when that... When that issue arose, when that, that, that video came out, did you think, oh, it's terrible, all those other people are so racist? Or did you say, Lord, I just want to confess that I've been part of this. 
I have my own prejudices, or I haven't acted to fight against racism as I should have. Lord, forgive me. That's what the writer of Lamentations 3 is demonstrating to us, isn't it? How to confess sin. He's saying, I was part of this. I was a member of this city and justice was not done. I'm confessing my sin. You were right to act in judgment against our city. You were right to act in judgment against me, Lord God, because of my sin. Christianity isn't for righteous people who just try harder and harder to be good people and to be even better. No, Christianity's for people like you and me who examine themselves and find themselves to be sinful, imperfect people and they come to God and confess that. Birds fly, fish swim, Christians repent. They confess their sins, they tell God about the things that they're doing wrong, and they receive forgiveness and they turn away from those things. That's what it is to be a Christian, to be humble enough to say, Lord, I've done things wrong. And in the New Testament, Christians are given a phenomenal promise. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? And so the the message that's coming out of Lamentations 3 is return to God with examination and return to God with confession of your sin and the Lord through Jesus Christ, will forgive you. That's why Jesus died on the cross, in order that you might be forgiven, in order that the people who confess their sins to the Lord might be forgiven. And and if that's you, you are blameless in the Lord's sight. Your life, once defiled by sin, once muddied and dirtied by the things you had done wrong, has now been transformed and reclothed in the righteousness, in the goodness, in the purity, in the blamelessness of Jesus Christ. So to be a Christian is to confess sin and to know that when you do confess sin, God forgives you and clothes you in white. Return to the Lord with examination. Return to the Lord with confession. Thirdly, return to the Lord with worship. Look at verse 41. In the midst of examining and confessing sin, the writers say, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. The outward body language of lifting of hands represents an inward transformation, an inward lifting of our hearts to God. As we lift our hands, we're saying on the inside, in my heart, God is the object of my affection. He is the one I love. He is the one I look to. He is the one I confess my sins to. He is the one I pray to. I'm addressing my prayer to him. My hands are lifted up, but more importantly, my heart is lifted up within me to give God the glory and the praise and the adoration and the submission and the service that he is worthy of. And so when we sing at Christchurch Fairham, often people will raise their hands and And I I think that this helps me sing louder and and worship in a way. But but the outward expression 
is less important than what's going on in the heart. It's, it's my heart that's being lifted up. And as my heart is lifted up, I express that with my body by lifting my hands as well. We also often lift our hands when we pray. To lift hands in the Bible is actually a prayerful. It is not associated with singing in the Bible. It's associated with prayer. We lift our hands when we pray. And when we pray, we're saying, my heart is returning to God. Lord, my heart is returning to you. My heart's being lifted to you. Far from having a dullness of heart, this is an ascending heart. This is a lifted heart being lifted to the heavenlies in prayer. If you're a Christian feeling a conviction of sin so far in this sermon, maybe you're feeling, Lord, I have a dullness of heart. Or maybe you're thinking, when was the last time I confessed my sin? When was the last time I truly prayed like the writer of Lamentations is calling me to? Am I returning to the Lord or am I ignoring him? If you're feeling that conviction, that prod of conviction, if you feel like you have a dullness of heart, you need to return to the Lord. I would encourage you, come to the Lord in prayer. Raise your hands. And as you raise your hands, focus on your heart, focus on your love for God and raise your heart also to pray to him, to confess your sins, to cry out for mercy and forgiveness and to worship the Lord. In fact, as I was writing this part of the sermon, it was appropriate that I just stop and raise my hands and pray. And I wrote down some of what I prayed I said, Lord, you are majestic. Lord, you are perfect in holiness. I am but a sinner in need of forgiveness. I continued in prayer um, for a much longer period than that. But as I prayed those words, there was an instant rush of peace. There was an assurance of forgiveness that God gave to me in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I felt love eternal being poured into my heart. And so I say to you, Christian, if you have a dullness of heart, raise your hands, raise your heart, pray to God, confess your sins, and he will pour out love and peace upon you. You will no longer feel distant from God, but will feel close to him. It will feel like you truly have returned to the Lord. So return to the Lord with examination, return to the Lord with confession, return to the Lord with worship. Fourthly and finally, return to the Lord by calling on his name. Have a look at verse 55, where the writer says, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. Imagine a man who's fallen into a deep hole with sharp sides, far too sharp to climb. And at the bottom of the hole, there's deep, thick mud, and he's sinking slowly into this mud at the bottom. There is absolutely no way he can save himself. He is desperate for help, shouting, someone, please come and find me. When we examine ourselves truly and earnestly, and we consider the state of the world we live in, this is metaphorically how we should feel. Like we've been thrown into a pit and we're sinking in the mud and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. That's true, isn't it? When I consider my sin, 
my selfishness, my pride, my laziness, the, the way sometimes I hurt other people and do things that are unkind, my, my lack of kindness and care for other people in the world. When I consider my relationship with God and the imperfections there and, and the way I don't involve him in everything I do in life, I start to despair, I start to sink into the pit. I feel helpless, lost, desperate. But that desperation is actually a good thing in a sense because it, because it is in desperation that we look for a saviour. You won't ever believe in Christ if you never know the desperation I'm speaking of. It's the desperation of saying, I cannot save myself. There's nothing I can do. I cannot change the world as I want to. I cannot even change myself. Even when I try and be a really good person, I fall short. I need a saviour. I wonder if you know what I'm talking about, this desperation that I'm expressing. Because I think in the West... We have comfortable lifestyles. We, most of us have all the things we need, the food and the shelter that we, we need. And we often lose the desperation described in Scripture. We, we tend to think of ourselves in the West as good people. You know, we might do the odd thing wrong, but in general I'm a good person. And so we lose this desperation that the Old Testament writers had. They realised they needed God to forgive them. They realised they needed God's help in every situation. And sometimes we don't realise that. If you lack desperation in your life, it means your view of God is too small. You haven't comprehended just how holy and perfect God is. You haven't understood his justice. You haven't understood his anger against sin. You may be fleetingly glanced at God, but you haven't stopped to focus on his holy purity. Your view of God is too small. And your awareness of your own sin and imperfection is also lacking. Perhaps there's even a pride in you. The thing is, in, the, in, the, in fact, all over the world, humans think too much of themselves and think too little of God. You know, we, we think we're good, we think we're okay, and we think little of how awesome and holy and perfect God is. We have not gazed at the blazing purity of God's perfection. For if we did, if we truly did stop and start to comprehend just how blameless and holy and perfectly white and glorious in his perfection God is, a desperation would be set in our hearts. As we see how holy God is and how imperfect and sinful we are, a desperation would take hold in our hearts that only Jesus Christ could overcome. That's what's going on here in verse 55. From the depths of the pit, I called on your name, O Lord. And then, an amazing answer. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. And then this beautiful verse. You came near when I called on you and said, do not fear. When we examine ourselves and see our sin in comparison to God's glorious holiness, we sink into a pit of desperation. But 
when we confess our sin to God, when we worship God, and when we call on the name of the Lord. In other words, when we return to the Lord, the Lord comes near and speaks, maybe even whispers, do not fear. I am your saviour. I will pull you up out of the pit. I will rescue you. You have returned to me, and so I draw near to you. And so the Christian existence is an existence of closeness with God, and the fearlessness of knowing that God has said to us, do not fear. Some of you might feel God is distant. And I'm talking to you whether you're not a Christian or you've been a Christian for a a long time. Some of you, even though you've been a Christian for a long time, might feel that right now God feels distant. My encouragement to you is return to the Lord. Confess your sin, worship him, lift up your hands and your heart and cry out. Cry to the name of the Lord to be saved. And he will draw near, says this verse in Lamentations, and he will speak to you. Do not fear. Return to the Lord with examination, with confession, with worship and with calling on his name for help. And we we know as Christians in the New Testament, Jesus is revealed as God. The name of the Lord is Jesus and the name Jesus means saviour. And so to every single one of you listening and watching to this, I I plead with you, call on the name of Jesus in your struggles, in your desperation, as you feel like you're sinking into a pit and cannot save yourself. Call on the name of Jesus Christ and he will come near and he will say, do not fear. And he will be your saviour for that is his name. Jesus means saviour. He will rescue you. He will bring you comfort. He will bring you salvation. He will bring you forgiveness and mercy. The Lord will forgive the sins of those who confess their sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. He will raise us out of the pit. He will raise us up into the heavenlies so that we might worship him here on earth. And then at the end of time, we might enter into the new heavens and the new earth and worship God our Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit forever and ever and ever. Let us, all of us, Return to the Lord. Do it now in prayer, in a moment of quiet. Return to God. Lift, Maybe lift up your hands, lift up your heart in, conf- in examination, in confession, in worship, and in calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. Let's have a moment of quiet before I will lead us in prayer. Lord God, we confess we have sinned. We've sinned in so many different ways. We've sinned against our brothers and sisters 
the children you have created here on earth. We have not loved people as we should have done. We have not cared for them. We have been hurtful with our words and even in our thought life, Lord God. We confess that we have sinned against you. We have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind and strength. We have not given time to prayer. We have not worshipped you as we should. We have neglected to serve you as you have instructed. We've neglected even to seek your guidance for our lives. Even though you are good God, you know what is best for us. We have neglected to come to you and say, Lord, what shall I do today? What shall I do this week? What am I doing with my life? Lord, we've neglected your guidance. As we examine ourselves, we find ourselves to be sinners in desperate need of a saviour. And so we cry out to you. We call upon the name of Jesus to be saved this morning. Lord, rescue us. Lord, save us. Lead us. Raise us up from the pit of despair. Make us to walk on the heavenlies with Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Raise us up to worship you. Purify us in our unrighteousness. Forgive us our sin. And lead us in the way everlasting. And so, Lord, we worship you. We magnify your holy name. We declare that you are blameless and perfect and righteous in all your ways. Everything you do is good and right. We bring you the praise you are worthy of, not just with our lips, but with our hearts. We raise our hearts in affection towards you. We love you, Lord God. And we thank you for the mercy described in Lamentations chapter 3. We thank you that we can return to you. And now that's what we do. With everything we are, return to you, Lord God. Receive us. Draw near to us and speak to us those amazing words. Do not fear. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for forgiveness. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for the fearlessness we can have in Christ. We praise and glorify you today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer meeting on Zoom starts at 11.15. It'd be great to see you all there. Thank you so much for watching this video. I pray you have a blessed week where God draws close to you. You return to him and you know his presence. You know his love. You know his mercy. And you know these words. Do not fear. Spoken by the Lord to all who return to him with examination, confession, worship and calling on the name of Jesus to be saved. God bless you all and see you very soon.